The NFL season begins tomorrow with the Patriots hosting the Chiefs. Packers will wait until Sunday to take on a, what has become a very familiar opponent. Doesn't seem like a year goes by when the Packers don't play the Seattle Seahawks. Had a great test for the Packers opening up the season at Lambeau Field. What about some of the new faces to the roster? What about some of the folks on the injury report? Lots to cover with Wes Hodkowitz of Packers.com, who joins us for, I think, our first official Wednesdays with Wes. It is actually Wednesday, and we are talking to Wes. And it's always been the title of the segment, Ashton, but it's never really been on a Wednesday before. So, Wes, we're breaking ground today. We are, Greg. It was funny when you actually asked me about doing the interview. I should have said, no, we have to wait till tomorrow. We can't actually do this on a Wednesday. You know, that'd be, that'd be, uh, That'd be an abomination. Exactly, and it's been an unpolished segment from the start, and uh, we really probably should have stayed that way. But nonetheless, uh, so a busy day in Green Bay, and it's been kind of interesting to watch the wire here because more now than ever, there's been you know a 53-man roster is set, and all of a sudden there are some moves here, and the Packers have added some pieces here, which probably makes some late nights for you. But what exactly have they added here on defense, in, uh, Am- yeah, namely in Ahmad Brooks, Chris Odom, and Quentin Dial? Yeah, it's really interesting because, I mean, when I was – I wrote earlier today when Mike McCarthy talked, I wrote a story quickly off of his news conference. And when I was writing down that they've had three new players come in over the last four days, uh, th- that really has never really been a case. I mean, they've signed guys here and there, and, you know, there's been veterans that have come in. But to have this much infusion – of new talent uh, and, and new perspectives, I think is really interesting. It is a unique situation, I think, somewhat brought on by what San Francisco is doing right now. You remember they they had such a powerful and dominant three four defense for so many years. Well, now under Kyle Shanahan, they're switching to a four three. So both Brooks and Dial found themselves kind of on the outside looking in in that situation. Uh, so so they'll actually get a chance. And Brooks has talked about this week to kind of get back to what they feel comfortable with in a scheme that Dom Capers runs, but. The big challenge for the Packers now with that game coming up at 325 on Sunday is, you know, trying to get those guys up to speed as quickly as possible. Yeah, how realistic is that? Uh, I don't think Dial, he didn't practice today. Brooks did. He's been in Green Bay for a few days just kind of getting acclimated. But what can really be expected with those guys this weekend? Yeah, it's funny. uh, You know, and obviously I'm not a coach, and I I can't speak for these guys in terms of how they feel and, you know, picking up this defense. But I would think, you know, Brooks had such an interesting comment, I think it was yesterday, talking about how, you know, pass rushing is kind of pass rushing, and he does have a long history in a 3-4 defense. You have to, you know, for anybody that doesn't know, Vic Fangio, who was the defensive coordinator in San Francisco for so many years, was the defensive coordinator for Dom Capers when he was in Carolina and Houston. So the schemes, while different, some of their terminologies, is really generally the same. So, uh, I, I don't want to put any bold proclamations, but at the same time, you know, at 33 years old, how long Brooks has been in the league, you know, I could see a world in which he's able to give them some snaps against the Seahawks. Uh, from Dow's perspective, uh, he wasn't at practice today. It sounds like he's going to get going tomorrow. That's kind of a wait-and-see situation, but the fact that you do have Mike Daniels and Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry and Ricky Jean-Francois, all these other guys in that rotation, you do wonder how much, you know, they would really realistically need him in this game, despite you know, facing a pretty uh, talented running back in Eddie Lacy. Wes Hotkowitz joining us from Packers.com. I look at the injury report today, Wes. I see Montrevious Adams. Not a surprise. He hasn't done much of anything since coming to Green Bay after being drafted in the third round. Brian Belaga limited, Devon House limited, Kevin King limited. Uh, what are we looking at here? I know there are various stages of limited at practice. Anybody in question seriously for Sunday? 
You know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens after uh, tomorrow's practice. They'll go back into pads on Thursday. That's where you get a pretty a, a truer barometer of where players are at. The fact that Brian Belaga was able to do something today on that ankle is a very positive sign, I think, for this offense and this offensive line, especially considering what they're going to face in that defensive front with Seattle. Again, we'll have to see how much he does on Thursday. But the, you know, also that Clay Matthews and Nick Perry are both full participants has to be a huge feather in the cap of this defense right now after, you know, kind of a scare there in Denver. So uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I, you know, nobody, as you mentioned, everybody was either limited or, or full participation from that, that group of injuries. So, uh, you know, the fact that nobody was actually out, I think probably bodes well for their chances this Sunday. You know, and, and you mentioned uh, Balaga, and I'm looking at a Seattle defense that is still very – very strong and they added Sheldon Richardson and uh, for those listening if you don't know who Sheldon Richardson is he's the unblockable guy who used to play for the New York Jets I mean the guy's an unbelievable player massive humanity and Seattle's able to uh, able to acquire him via trade uh, at a fairly steep price but I this is like the rich getting richer though right I mean this is this is a problem for the NFL that Seattle's got Sheldon Richardson yeah it is and and from what everything I read and I got to be honest with you Greg, I didn't watch much Jets football last year, but uh, from what I did understand and what I've gleaned, he was kind of miscast in their defense with the changes that they made. So uh, this is an opportunity for him to kind of revive himself a little bit. He's still in the prime of his career, and you look at a guy like Cliff Averill and some of these other guys that they've welcomed in over the years, and they've been able to you know, find a, a second life in Seattle. I think Richardson's the next guy to that. Uh, still very explosive, still very powerful at the point of attack, in that 298 to 300 pound range, uh, so yeah, he's going to be a headache, you know, for those interior offensive linemen. And, and exactly trying to see how Seattle uses him will probably be, you know, one of the first things I'll be keeping my eye on on Sunday. Well, it, you know, Doug Baldwin's a nice receiver for Seattle, and you know they traded away Jermaine Curse to get Sheldon Richardson. They've got Paul Richardson, Tyler Lockett is back, and okay, they got some guys. But I'm curious to see how the Packers are going to trot out their defensive backs. I, I think that was a bit of a mystery through the preseason. Kevin King had some nicks, and Devon House didn't really play too much. So uh, you didn't see, I don't believe, all the combinations that you'll see during the course of a regular season. That I'm very curious to watch. Uh, the Packers will probably start with three defensive backs on the field in the nickel uh, or corners, and, and who slots where I think I'm most curious to see. Yeah, that's an excellent point, Greg, and it really is because you know Devon House is going to play. You know Demarius Randall, Quentin Rollins, and Kevin King are all going to be up there on the depth chart, but how do they sort this out? Who's going to be the guys that work on the boundary? Who's going to be the guy that, that's the nickel star cornerback? Uh, where, what are those rotations going to look like? Joe Witt, the Packers cornerbacks coach, talked about this, I think it was a week or two ago, about how you know one of the things they want to do is you know they're going to decide the best guys are going to play. And once they make that decision, you know they're not just going to roll with these guys. You know If a guy has a bad game, they're going to put somebody else in. They want to give those guys a chance to get comfortable. So we know who the players are. We've seen the training camps that they've had. But now seeing exactly what the Packers decide to do and how they're going to match up with teams is probably one of the, the biggest sort of mysteries, I think, for all the outside people looking in, trying to see how they, they formulate those those game plans. Well, and hopefully it comes together quick, right? I mean, you, you, Seattle's offense is certainly capable. Atlanta's offense, well, I, I think we've seen that movie before, right. and, and, and these are the first two opponents for the Packers. I mean, you want to talk about going up against you know, power defense, power offense, both teams uh, have Super Bowl aspirations. I mean, it's what it's all about to start the season. 
Yeah, it was interesting because one of the reporters brought that up when we were actually talking to Jordy Nelson in the locker room a few minutes ago about how this has sort of worked out for them the past few years. They've played pretty elite competition right off the bat. When you look back, you know, obviously Jacksonville was, was sort of, uh, you know, not feeding into that, but, you know, they've gotten Seattle. They've gotten New Orleans. They've had uh, San Francisco when they were in their prime. Uh, so this is, it is, as you mentioned, uh, going to be an interesting way to see how they match up. How does Russell Wilson look? We've seen all the reports about, you know, he's dropped some weight. He's, you know, he's been more commanding in the pocket. Uh, how do you defend against him? How, how do you, you know, match up with the Jimmy Graham? Where does he fit into this picture? So, yeah, that, that's really going to be the biggest thing. And, again, for me, looking in, I'm very interested to see all the stuff that we've talked about all summer with the Nitro Nickel Package and, and exactly what course of action and direction Dom Capers takes with this defense now that the games finally matter. Yeah, I, I, and I like that kind of stuff. I think it's, it's creative. Uh, I think you can leave yourself exposed on the back end, but I think the Packers are maybe better equipped at safety to – handle a safety blitzing or a corner blitzing to try and you know cover all the bodies that are coming out into the field but i would love wes i would love to get back to the days talked about this on my program last week where you had that that real serious pass rush threat from the interior line where you didn't have to get too creative uh it was something that cullen jenkins brought to the super bowl team and and i know mike daniels has flashed that that potential to get to the quarterback uh, on occasion, and he's probably the guy to do it. But I'd love to see somebody really emerge as a, as a true threat from that front three. I, there's yeah. there's some talent there, no no doubt about it. Yeah, I think that's one of the exciting things about this group going into the season is because you've seen, especially just personally during training camp, you know Kenny Clark and Dean Lowry have shown significant signs of that. So seeing what kind of jump those guys can make in year two. Even a guy like Dial, you know, Adams, if he gets healthy, seeing what kind of push you can get. Because the big thing over the last three, four years now is the Packers want interior linemen that just aren't run stuffers, guys that can give you an inside push that can really make things difficult for a quarterback and, and get his feet, you know, kind of get his feet kind of hot. So, um, yeah, no doubt that that's the biggest key. We talk so much about the outside pass rush, but the more interior pressure you get, the more it's going to help your defense overall. Final thing for you, Wes. I know it's kind of a crystal ball question here, but. Do the Packers need to have a top five defense to reach the Super Bowl? A top five? No, I, I don't think so. Top five. I mean, just because of what this offense is and in how they can put up points. Uh, but, I mean, you need to have a unit that can go. You need to have a unit that stands up uh, throughout the course of the season and, and really answers the call against some of these top defenses or top offenses. Excuse me. You look at 2010, what they had that year, and, and how you know they really had a unit that that could really dictate the tempo of a game. I think we saw flashes of that late, late in the 2014 season. And in some cases, early on in the 2016 season, before the injuries really started to take hold at cornerback. So um, I think you have to be in the top half of the league. But, yeah, I mean, as far as top five, just with what this offense can do, I, I don't think that's a, that's a requirement. He writes for Packers.com. He occasionally joins us on this program, and I am watching him right now on Spectrum Sports on the uh, Packers <laughs> Unscripted. We've got Wes in stereo here. That's pretty amazing stuff. You look good. You had a green shirt on today. Very nice. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's amazing what technology can do. You can just sort of splice people in two and you know have them in two places at one time. <laughs> That's why you're the best in the business. He is Wes Hotkowitz. This has been another Wednesdays with Wes. Appreciate your time, Wes. We'll see you on Sunday. All right, thanks, buddy.